and then Georgia wins out. We beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Is it is Georgia the one that's left out? Wait, we could be left out at that circumstance. Why would we at one loss? If Ohio State, Florida State, Washington all go undefeated and Texas won out, we would not get in. Yeah, that's kind of the doomsday scenario. Wait, no way. Dude, but then again, if. Oh, that would suck so bad if Washington got it. No way, dude. After we go through the. My brain's not ready for that. This week on the Diehards, we have two episodes for y'all, hopefully to make up for last week's absence. Later this week, we'll have an episode about the rest of the college football landscape, but today is all about the Tide. We have a great episode today for y'all. We look back at the huge win this weekend against the Vols, breaking down our offensive and defensive performances, as well as the amazing atmosphere at Inside Bryant Denny. Then we have a little preview on LSU before Jimmy was unfortunately kicked off the call. We ended up not being able to get him back on, but while we waited, Harris, Cuso, and I had a fun conversation about possible playoff matchups and some other things we thought y'all might like, so we kept in this little peek behind the curtain there at the end. Thank y'all for listening, and hope y'all enjoy. Started rocking by our minds like they leave us. Overtime, the booth is like a gold mine. I served in Alabama like road tide. All right, welcome back into the diehards and roll tide. Roll tide. Roll fucking tide. <laughs> Here with a uh, long-awaited episode after some technical difficulties last week, but uh, <clears throat> following a, a shaky win versus Arkansas, the tide absolutely rolls on the third Saturday in October. Um, me, Cuso, Jimmy, and Harris were all lighting up victory cigars on Saturday. Uh, just a, an awesome week to be a Bama fan. Yeah, man. You, you got to love that performance in the second half. Uh, first half, I uh, was looking for the nearest bridge to go jump off, but uh, thank God our boys turned it around. We really got some resiliency <laughs> and uh, toughness to – just get better as the game goes on and really proud of our boys this week. Yeah, you know, that's the third big second half that I can think of, including the A&M and Ole Miss game. We really just came out and shit the bed all first half, but we were able to group it together in the second half. I like us. I like to see us be able to pull out a full 60-minute game, but nonetheless proud of that second half performance in the big rivalry game last weekend. Yeah, and also, too, the energy in Brian Denny was insane. Um, you know, being here, still in college and grad school and stuff, was definitely a top five favorite game I've been to. Um, first half, it was just so dead. I was around by some Tennessee fans, too, as well, and I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Like, this is this is not going to end well. And then, you know, we start off really hot in the second half with, you know, first drive, getting into the end zone, and then getting – Big fourth down stops um, throughout the second half, and um, you know, just rolling away with it. It was an awesome day. Yeah, I think uh, that's where we should start today. Um, you know, Harris, Jimmy, and I were fortunate enough to be at the game Saturday, and um, you know, Saban was calling for all week for the fans to really step up. I thought the atmosphere 
in the stadium was incredible. Um, they actually showed that clip and some very timely moments throughout the game that led to even uh, even more of a raucous atmosphere. But yeah, I mean, what a truly special night to be in Bryant Denny. One of the best I've seen since uh, really probably even before I went to college. I feel like the last five years got a little complacent. I feel like we had a little bit of that edge back. It was a it was a great time to be be in Bryant Denny. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, it was very loud down there. The energy was great. I thought the fans stepped up and Saban showed his appreciation by going over them at the end of the game, giving them a wave, and then thanking them in the press conference. I thought that was pretty nice of him. Yeah, I saw Saban do that. And also something that was cool at the end of the game was Milrow was uh, walking off the field, kind of you know, head down, not really paying attention, surrounded by media. And then they showed him on the Jumbotron right as he was about to enter the tunnel. And uh, the crowd just absolutely erupted. And then he kind of looked up and saw himself, realized what happened. And then he took a moment to probably 30 seconds to a minute to just hype up the crowd and soak in the moment and got a big standing O from, from everybody and Bryant Denny. It was, it was a really cool moment um, along with that Saban one, like Harris was saying. That's pretty awesome. I didn't see that. Yeah, and also like the post game interview with Milro and Saban, um, it was trending all over Twitter and stuff. This <laughs> is great vibes all around. And, you know, <laughs> that, that was so awesome. My week is coming up, so we can, you know, celebrate this one a little bit more. But you know, we got to lock in. You know, with next week, we've got LSU coming in town. But yeah, let's let's start talking about this game and some takeaways and stuff. Yeah, well, I just want to say, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I kind of feel like this could like really be, or this past week could have been the turning point in our season, the second half of the Tennessee game. I feel like we might have just found our colors for the first time. And we had some good second halves. Ole Miss was great. A&M was great. But this time, like, it really felt like we kind of started to reestablish that standard run game was great. Defense really came alive and started hitting the quarterback and uh, attacking Milton and flying all over the field. And Brian Denny came alive for the first time in a long time. Um, I don't know. I think our team may have just gotten its swagger back. I'm interested to see. Obviously, he probably the biggest test of the season versus LSU coming up this week. I hope the momentum can carry on. But I felt like something was a little different this weekend. We'll, we'll see, though. I agree. I think that was a big confidence builder and kind of shows the support from the team within itself and the fans all together. I think I agree that that could build a lot of momentum and confidence, especially heading into another home game versus LSU. I'd expect the same, if not more, from our fans and the energy. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to get out to a good start there. Yeah, I think that uh, that one on November 4th, I think, um, night game just announced 645 on CBS, going to be an awesome one. Big part of that second half was the offense really clicking, you know, 27 points. Um, you know, Tommy Reese has come under a lot of fire from uh, from this podcast and Bama fans in general. But, I mean, feel like he called a pretty good game. What did you all see from the play calling in the second half that uh, – it gave you some confidence moving forward or, or some things you thought we still could do better then? Offensively, I thought we were able to run the ball great and able to run it on – just be more balanced as a team in general, being able to run the ball, getting second and mediums, third and shorts. That really 
helps you instead of the third and longs we've been into. I don't really recall how many sacks we had in the second half, but I feel like it felt like we were able to move the ball pretty comfortably most of that half and not have big drive-killing plays, especially with penalties and sacks. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't really see a ton of differences in the play calling. It Like, everything – well, we did get in pissed a lot more, which I thought was as interesting, and I felt like we – Threw in a lot more motions and and shifts and changed the formations up a little bit. But, I mean, I still felt like a lot of what we were doing was just Jace up the middle, toss left to Jace, toss right to Jace. I thought we just executed a lot better. The one thing that I did really like, didn't love because there wasn't enough of it, but the few read options that Milrow kept and tucked and ran for 10-plus yards, like, Oh my God! It felt better than anything I think I've seen all season. I've been crying for the, us to run Milrow on more design runs all season. Finally, sort of picked that up a little bit and pulled out of a playbook. I hope that that continues going forward. Really like that, and I think that's really the X factor of our season is being able to utilize Milrow as a weapon in our offense. So I was really glad to see that, and really glad to see the improved execution on offense for the Tide. Yeah, I, I, our defense too, just you know, just coming alive in the second half. Like Garrett Milton played four horrendous in the second half. I think he only had like twenty eight passing yards, so that was big. Um, we knew he wasn't like a great thrower, and he was playing really well in the first half. So we able to make adjustments on defense and be able to stop him. Also, too, I feel like our receivers were able to get out and play more in the second half. I mean, Isaiah Bond had that massive touchdown, you know, right at the beginning of the third quarter, and that kind of brought the energy back in the stadium. So, um, and also, too, uh, I mean, Riker had that long 50-yard field goal or whatever. Um, he's been automatic for us all year. I just feel like we're just all gelling together. And, you know, I, I like what like Koo said, like, I, I agree with him with this take. Like, I think this was kind of like the turning point of the season where I'm feeling very confident and the game's coming up. And, you know, if, if we do make it to Atlanta, I'm going to feel very confident enough going against Georgia probably. Yes, sir. Big game boomer just said that Bama's the best team in the SEC. I was surprised by that one. He's been a notorious Bama hater. He's such a Bama hater, dude. He he's pulled the <laughs> biggest one eighty. He he had us like not even ranked earlier this season. Guy's a clown. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, something you brought up that I thought was huge this game. Um, they were talking about a lot on the broadcast, the receivers not really stepping up and then Later in the game, you just saw more and more of the receivers make plays. That Isaiah Bond touchdown was actually so gross. Yeah. In real time, I didn't realize it. I thought it was more of a miscommunication, but it, he just absolutely it was not a dropped the coverage. Corner. Yeah, they're like, oh, another blown, <laughs> untimely blown coverage. He literally like he smoked that volunteer pack on that DV. It was, it was a, he broke his ankles. That was no blown coverage. Yeah, that looks like uh, Tommy Reese should have his have his arms up on the sideline or in the press box uh, before Milrow even let that one go. That looked like that Amari route in the SC Championship years ago. Just a little one-two, and defender didn't see any coming. Yeah, that was tough. And I think our receivers have been pretty damn good all season. I really do. We may not have, like, the Judy or Smitty type as, as numero uno, but, like, I think Isaiah Mon. I would not be surprised if he's a first-round draft pick one day. And Burton has played, like, 
pretty damn solid all year as well. Um, and a couple other like random contributors. Malik Benson's been good for a catch or two a game. Same with Nye Black and man, I love seeing Kendrick Law get that uh that little touch pass and break it for like thirty or forty. He's looking fast as hell. Yeah, I agree. I think we do have a bunch of explosive talent there. That's just coming and piecing more together throughout the year. I still like to see Merrill get the ball. His hands a little quicker. It makes like you miss some reads. But like you said, Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton just been great. Burton's been really good on the deep ball and the intermediate routes. And I think that Milro finds him very reliable, especially on the third and eights, the third and tens, that we've been able to get some big pickups on them in a few big games so far. Yeah, I thought that that grown man he catch he had was one of the plays of the game. He had a few big pickups on third down um, that Milro was able to find. I thought receivers played a great game. And like Kuzo said, Kendrick Law got that touch pass, showed some jets that I did not know he had. Um, I, t- I told Kuzo before we started, I think 19 might just be a slow-looking number because I don't know where he pulled those from, but he has some blazing speed. And for him to be probably our fifth guy, um, you know, shows that there really is some good talent, some good twitch on this uh, this group that I think beginning of the season we kind of had pretty low hopes for. Yeah, I think the lack of experience is just kind of what killed us at receiver last year, and that's such a shame since we had Bryce. But I think that group's definitely been able to perform. And I think we have even more guys who aren't seeing the field as much, such as Jalen Hale, Kobe Prentice, Emmanuel Henderson, all those guys there. They look really good in practice every day, and they can be explosive guys. But that group is deep. But like Kusa said, there's not just one sole star yet or super impactful player like we have known to be having over the years. What's going on with Ja'Cory Brooks, Big Lil? I don't know, honestly. I mean, I want to say his job's just getting taken by these other guys and who are progressing better. Nothing against Ja'Cory or anything. I think he's a solid option, too, but he hasn't really seen the field much. I think he's going to be a full guy at the end of the year. A what guy? I don't know why they just started playing. Can you cut that out or whatever, Greg? Yeah, just say portal guy, <laughs> clearly, to start okay. us. Um, portal guy, like, do you think he'll be a portal guy at the end of the year? <laughs> oh, my God. We got to keep that in. But to answer your question, Greg, I do think he'll probably be a portal guy. I don't really see much of a reason for him to stay with kind of what's been going on. Um, I think his morale is probably kind of getting beat up as well over the years as people kind of expected him to develop into our wide receiver one after watching the last few games our freshman year. But I could definitely see him being out after this year. He's a senior, though, isn't he? No, he's just a junior. Oh, damn. I always figured he was just, like, bad character or something. Yeah, I don't know. That could be part of the problem, but I'm not I'm not to speak on anything as I don't know. Train, he's a true, true Saban. True Saban in front of the media descendant. Huh. <laughs> Harris pulling some coach speak out <laughs> on us. You hate to see it. <laughs> on his own podcast. Yeah, it'd be like that sometimes. 
Um, but going back to some of the things y'all mentioned earlier uh, about what we saw from play calling, just to wrap this up, um, <clears throat> you know, Kusa, you were saying you, you thought there was some more motion. Something I noticed is we had more motion that was used for blocking and just like direct impacts. Like a lot of times we'll just get a motion that's just for a swing pass that doesn't get looked at. Um, there actually were a few swing passes to the running backs that uh, I thought we could do a better job hitting. But, um, but you know, rather than just a fake jet sweep, we had a few motions on, you know, on that Jace touchdown, Amari went in motion and actually um, was able to get the block on the edge um, because he had that running start. That's something I know the Dolphins have done a lot of, and I'd love to see that going more. Um, there was another one where we had a motion on a keeper from Jalen, and he was able to kick out the end. Um, so, yeah, I think that, along with just more quarterback keepers, is something I'd love to see going forward and uh, and really give this offense a new dynamic. Yeah, I think for the first time in a while, I finally saw some holes for Jace up front, too, to get through, which is just always nice to see. I think to – have success moving forward. We're definitely going to need that run game to continue to open up with Jace and Milrow. Speaking of the Milrow run game, Coos, I know you said they talked about some they interviewed Milrow with uh, during the game. Why don't you talk to us about that? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think it was it was seventeen to twenty, and uh, we had like a third and three, and it's it was like. I mean, even before before the snap, like I was sitting there, like this is like the perfect read option down. Like a read option is going to put us in such a good position. This is what we have no row for. And of course, we just like hand it off to to McClellan, like as predictable as could be, right up the pipe, good stuff, like one yard gain, uh, <clears throat> brings a field goal unit out, and then Gary's like, Gary pulls up the replay, and he's like. You know, I sat down with uh, Coach Nick Saban and Tommy Reese this past week, and I asked them. I said, "Guys, have you have you thought about putting in the read option into the playbook?" And uh, he doesn't talk about their answer to that question, but they show the replay, and he's like, "And guys, this would have been the perfect time to use it." And you literally see like if Milro had just kept the ball instead of handing it to McClellan, there was like. Literally, like, nobody to the pylon. It would have been, like, an easy touchdown with this speed. And uh, then later, like, within the next five minutes or so, like, Gary's like, we t and I talked to uh, Jalen Milrow as well, and I talked to him about how much better a passer he's gotten. And I asked him, I said, Jalen, you know, you've progressed so much throwing the football. You think the next step to your game is uh, – really starting to run the ball a little bit more on some more uh, designed runs and scrambles as well. And he was like, and Jalen told me uh, I'm not a running quarterback. And I was like <laughs> pulling my hair out when he said that. I'm like, the dude is like 6'2", 220, runs a 4'4 speed and like doesn't want to run the football. That that really hurt. But uh, luckily he did keep a few – QB options on uh, in the second half, which were all, of course, 10-yard gains. But uh, that's definitely – that was one of the most eye-opening comments I've heard on the uh, – I've heard from Gary in a second. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> it does seem sometimes like you would rather stay behind the line of scrimmage and try to throw the ball downfield, but sometimes I wish you'd just take off and run with it, knowing how good of a runner he truly is. And yeah. you know, like said that build, and we even saw – 
late in the game on one of our touchdown drives where he just stiff-armed one of the Tennessee DBs to the ground with ease. So that makes you makes you wonder why he doesn't take off a little more. Also, do you all remember the play? Um, I think it's like in the front quarter. Um, I remember like Craig sent a text message about it. Um, when they did like the read option and Jalen was like kind of dancing in the backfield and like passed it up back to like Jalen's behind him. And like the t- Tennessee deep at the end yeah. of the day. So I was at that point, because we already had two turnovers. I was like so scared. I was like, that could have gone so south so quickly. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah, that was an awkward throw. About another weird play was uh, that freaking like speed option, and Milro decided to just like alley oop the ball over the defender to McClellan, <laughs> who just immediately gets like destroyed at the line of scrimmage. And, like, oh my god, my heart just about froze when they tossed that over to McClellan. Like. It did not make any difference in the outcome of the play, like other than risking like a pick six on a, a lateral. Oh my god! You know the play I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Was. I think uh, <clears throat> just immediately after, um, I just said the words, "Please, can we never do that again?" I mean. I, I like us trying to get creative with all sorts of options and stuff, but but the the fake pitch right hand throw on the other side of the defender might be one that uh, we can leave out of the playbook. I'll yeah. tell you what it reminded me of a little bit. It was in the SEC championship when Bryce made that play to B Rob, and it looked similar. However, that one ended up uh, looking a lot smoother as they picked up a first down and like thirteen yards there. I don't know if y'all remember what I'm talking about. We played Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago. It dirty. kind of reminded me of that, but definitely the execution was not nearly the same. Yeah, it kind of looked like we just like Tommy Reese was like, "Hey, Milro, go run read option without like ever practicing it." But I don't know. That's something well, think, that looks like our offense a lot too, of the time. Was It was designed to go to Jace. I don't even think it was a full-on speed option, but I think the defender just cut it off so quickly before he could get it to him that he still yeah. wanted to get it to him. Um, but, yeah, I'm not I'm not a fan of that one. I think at that point just go down with it and not yeah. risk anything there. Yeah. I just remember, uh, I just remember when Tennessee, they had a lot of fourth-and-one opportunities. And we literally like stuffed them like every time. And that was just huge. Um, just, you know, crowd was just getting into it, offense getting the ball back, be able to score, you know, next drive and stuff. I mean, to be honest, like if our defense, you know, is coming into LSU, if we're able to step up and stop them, you know, I'm I'm very confident on the rest of our teams this year. Like if our offense isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, our defense can still keep us in the game no matter who we play. Yeah, man, just watching our defense this year, one thing I've really noticed that's stuck out compared to the past couple years is just, like, how our defense steps up in, like, the most important moments of the game when their back's against the wall, when it's when our team's down, a couple of touchdowns, a couple of field goals, and they've got fourth and one, the 50-yard line, a key pivotal play. I feel like we've stepped up over and over again. Or when we're – when uh like, for example – all the red zone stops in this past game. I just feel like the past couple of years we weren't making the same plays we're making this year, and it's been so great to see that. And I feel like we also make more and more plays in the second half, in the third quarter, and into the fourth quarter. That toughness that we were really known for over the past 15 years is really starting to show up again, and uh, I really enjoyed watching that. It's really making me love this team a lot. 
100%. I think one thing that I wanted to point out with what you said about that is that the toughness and just physicality seems like it's so back this year compared to the last couple of years. Uh, just a lot more big hits and physical play in the trenches. Last year, it seemed like we just gave up a lot of rushing yards too, which we don't do and let teams kind of run over all over us and dictate yeah. the way that game. And then, as you mentioned about just not getting off the field in big drives, that makes me think of the Tennessee and LSU games last year, which we lost on the last play of both games. And, you know, you just get off the field one one time before then, then we're able to win those games. But Facts. Yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, stepping up in big plays and that and that fourth down, um, one position group I really wanted to highlight that I think has been uh, has come along with kind of the the rest of the team in this progression, and and now is just playing at an all time elite level are the inside linebackers. I think the pairing of uh, Deontay Lawson and Jihad Campbell this past game was was one of the biggest things that contributed to our win. They were my MVP this week. Um, there were 22 tackles total between the two of them. They were number one and number two on our team, which is what you love to see from linebackers. Starting with Deontay Lawson, he led the team with 12 tackles, had some great sticks and a few big plays. Also had a deflection in the first quarter that potentially saved a touchdown because Caleb Downs had a pretty good hold on their tight end. Um, and I think without that deflection, they probably are calling that a pass interference. So that was something I thought was really big. Um, and then Jihad Campbell, probably the MVP of the game, had a hell of a game. He had 10 tackles, including on that fourth down that you were talking about, he had a monster solo where he stuck the guy by himself one-on-one in the gap and then drove him completely back- backwards with the way he kind of threw him down. Um, also had a huge tackle with 145 to go in the third uh, on a third down where the tight end was kind of growing across to the sideline. I think it was third and 17. Jihad chased him down, uh, forced a punt with, uh, you know, about two yards before the first down marker. And then in the fourth quarter, Tennessee gets the ball back with about eight minutes to play, a chance to tie it. Um, biggest drive of the game. They played that Saban video right before this drive. And, uh, Campbell got solo tackles on the first and second play of the drive. And then on the third play of the drive, Jihad had a scoop and score to put us up 14 and, and probably the biggest moment of the game. So those two guys, um, you know, really stepped up. You know, we've had a few guys rotate in at middle linebacker, but those two played the whole game last game and, and really put a, an all-time performance for us. Yeah, that, that play on the scoop and score, that was also just – an unbelievable move by Braswell there on the end. He kind of de- – it looked like he, like, delayed his blitz, looking, showing the uh, mm-hmm. offensive lineman he was going to go slow and just use great handwork and cut down low on the outside, able to get to Milton uh, without him even, like, seeing him or being there. So I thought that was an unbelievable move. He had two and a half sacks. But just also picking, piggybacking off of what you said about the inside linebackers, I think that group's been great all year. I think it's a very deep group for us. We have, obviously, those two names. And Jahad Campbell's kind of come into play when Tresman Marshall's been getting hurt. But I think he's personally played better. Uh, I know Tresman was out for the game against Tennessee. He dressed but had a rib injury, and they decided they weren't going to risk it with him playing. Another guy back there is uh, Kendrick Blackshire, who's been great when he's come in this year. He's had some really big hits. Force a turnover, so that group's just been great. I think Jihad 
was easily the MVP of that one. He was in there on both fourth down plays, the one we made the solo, and then also the one earlier in the game when Tennessee had the ball on their own 35-yard line. He wasn't the first one to Milton, but he was able to grab Milton where mm-hmm. the ball was. So when Milton was going down, he couldn't stretch out for that that first down, which was just huge. I just feel like this year we just got, like, dudes just all around on the defense side of the ball. Like, our linebackers were just so deep. I mean, we got – you know, playmakers all around and in our secondary too, you know, with Kool-Aid, Malachi, you know, Jalen Key all back there, Terry on Arnold. I mean, the, this team is so deep defensively and we got a, um, got the way that they're playing, you know, super physical and tough football. Um, it's going to be hard for teams to put up a lot of points against us. And um, I think another big reason too is uh, uh, if our offense can, you know, help keep our team, you know, our defense off the field, if we can try to limit those three and outs and stuff, then, you know, you can start seeing opponents, you know, putting up way less points than, you know, what Tennessee might have with 20. And, you know, we thought, you know, Tennessee wasn't going to be able to do that much offensively. But first half, they're scorching us, and we showed them down second half. So it was awesome. Um, defense is definitely the strong suit of the team. They're playing great. So Shout out. Yeah, Jimmy. I was just going to say shout out to the interior D-line too, like, Jaheim Otis, Tim Smith, a boy B, Tim Keenan, like you don't really notice them that much uh, in terms of like big plays or anything like that, but it's a good thing because like those guys just freaking eat up, like play play two gaps insanely well, extend their hands, let the linebackers make the plays. And I think like their play has really been the key reason that we've been so much better uh terms of rushing defense this year like last year I mean last year in the Auburn game I think Auburn ran for like 300 yards like the most that they had like the most we'd given up in like 20 years or something um run defense was just like pretty pitiful especially towards the end of the season it's gotten so much better this year and I think a lot of it a lot of the reasoning for that is because of those guys just being dogs up front yeah, and also, you know, they've had improvement in the passing game, too. They're starting to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, you know, you know, Joe Milton was just under, was under stress all second half throwing the football. And um, first half, he was able to throw dots and make big passing plays. But second half, he was constantly under pressure. So I feel like from last year to this year, um, like Coos was saying, like D-line, I've seen like the biggest like overall improvement. And it's really just helped our defense just become a solid unit. Um, and probably one of the in the country. Yeah, Jimmy, that's a a big key for for our defense, I think. Um, you know, we didn't get any pressure on the quarterback against Texas, and uh, and we saw us go down there. In the first half of this game, we never touched the quarterback either. Um, we, we got our first hit on Milton with a sack with about 8.30 left in the third. And I think that's where you saw a lot of things change for this defense. And we're getting pressure on the quarterback with how good we are in the back end and uh, and our linebackers, um, you know, <clears throat> cleaning up everything else. I think when we get pressure on the quarterback, um, with the outside linebackers as well as interior, like Cuso was talking about, this defense becomes a whole different animal that I think is going to be the toughest in the country to play against. What's a Terion's diagnosis? I'm honestly not sure. I was kind of wondering that too. I thought it was something with his head at first, but if it was concussion related, he wouldn't have been back out there Come for the second it. half. So he was there on the sideline. Um, but yeah, I'm not 100% yet there. 
they didn't have practice. At least we got the bye week coming up, getting everyone rested and healthy before we take on LSU. Probably our toughest game we have remaining on the on the season so, for regular season. Yeah, James, the bye is going to be huge um, to get him back. But I did think Trey Amos came in and, and played pretty well. He had that um, big pass deflection or, or breakup right at the end of the game yeah, um, to, to sure things up for the victory. Yeah, so – um, I like how deep we are at that position too. Um, we've seen you know six or seven guys really come in and have big impacts. But like you were saying, James, hope the bye week gets us all healthy and ready to go against LSU. Yeah, Amos was a huge pull in the transfer portal. I think he like he really filled that like safety not not like little safety position, but like the kind of safety net corner in case like Kool Aid or Perion uh, gets hurt. Like the dude's experience. Uh, probably not as physically talented as Kool Aid or Terry Hunter Malachi, but he's experienced, knows what to do, and has you know, really. We haven't noticed him in a bad way, which is really all I'm asking for in a backup corner. I think I think he's definitely improved as well throughout the year. Just watching him continuously come in and get more reps and experience, and get kind of get used to Saban's defenses. I know it's a very complex one, and kind of some of the problems that Eli Ricks had last year coming in and was able to get better throughout the year as well. Yeah, so wrapping up that uh, huge win against Tennessee, um, I think one we'll be, we'll be remembering for a long time here. <clears throat> Kuso, why don't you lead us off on kind of our outlook for LSU and going forward with this squad? Yeah, man, it's going to be a really big game. Uh, honestly, I don't think our squad matches up with LSU quite as well as we have with uh, – Tennessee or AM the past two weeks, given that you know Bama kind of has a similar style to AM and Tennessee, and I think we're better at our style than those two teams are and have more talented players. Uh LSU's a little bit of a different animal. Um, I guess on the positive side, their defense has been pretty awful for the majority of the season. You think about how Ole Miss hung fifty two points on them and uh in their home stadium and uh, I think Florida State was able to hang like over 30 points as well in that opening week game. But uh, the scary part of LSU is their insane offense. I mean, Jaden Daniels, is, he was really good last year, and he's gotten a lot better. They've got a true sophomore uh, all-SEC left tackle and then two like top 15 receivers in the country as well. Um, and then are also the number one rushing offense in the SEC as well. So it's kind of like pick your poison. It's going to be really tough to slow them down. My biggest worry is that, like, if we come out and shoot ourselves in the foot like we have you know, almost every single game of the season in the first quarter and even in the second quarter, like, we could be putting ourselves in a seriously precarious position. And uh, if we go down 28 to LSU, we're not coming back. We need to, like, actually jump on, jump on LSU early. We need to establish the run game, not afford, not have any turnovers, not give any big plays up on defense, and uh, really really make it uncomfortable for them. And Brian Denny, student section needs to bring it again. The whole stadium needs to be loud. It's going to be a tough one, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good challenge for our squad. Yeah, I think the big big ones in this game are going to be, especially for our defense on third down. we got to get off the field on third down. One thing I'm most worried about with LSU is with Jane Daniels and his ability to move in the pocket, extend plays, and even take off and run the ball. I think one thing we struggle with this year 
is stopping the quarterback in the not just design run games, but on passing plays too. I know we've allowed like KJ Jefferson and even Jackson Dart a couple times to make some big plays with their legs. I know Jane Daniels made some big ones last year on us with his legs. So really just being able to contain those and especially on third down, got to get off the field. I think this is a huge opportunity for our defense and the chance for us to really just share the country, how good we are moving forward. I think this kind of sets up with the momentum we seem to have coming out the second half against Tennessee. Um, LSU's defense also hasn't really been impressive this year. So I think, I think if the defense puts together a good game, we could we could have the potential to even make this thing a blowout. Yeah, I agree, and especially if we don't turn over the ball in offense. Um, and like Deuce was saying earlier, um, if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, and then Harris is hitting on with our defense. I mean, I think we should you know expect to win this game. But um, you know, if we come out slow like we did against Tennessee, um, you know, we might we we might be having an L come to LSU. I mean, we can't start off slow like that again. So, you know, right when the game starts, you know, we got to quick, we got to, we got to click. And, you know, if we don't get a first down or anything offensively, you know, we need to punt the ball well and play special teams well, get points when we can. Um, Cause you know, LSU, they're going to put up points, but um, our offense, you know, I trust them against um, this kind of defense. I think a and Tennessee have better defenses. So I think Miller will be ready. And also too, it's going to be Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Um, this game's probably for the SEC West, so it's going to be loud and ruckus. Um, you know, all, us four of us are going to be there. We're all going to watch it in person. You know, we're going to try to do a live show um, LSU week, so yeah, we're excited, and um, yeah, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Kind of hope game day comes back for it, but we'll see. That made my skin hair rise, Jimmy. Just, getting, <laughs> just thinking about that Saturday night in Brian Denny. I know it's going to be rocking. I just... I hope we come Picking to play out the live pod. Yeah. Then we need to come to play for a full 60 there. Dirty's not going to cut it. And also, too, there's going to be – I think the college football first rankings come out that Tuesday before that game. So we'll know what the committee thinks about us and LSU. So it's going to be interesting to see compared to the AP um, rankings. Yeah, I mean, this season just continues to be a fun one to watch. Um, you know, all kind of – Building towards this game, and now we get a, a week to just not know what to do with ourselves while we wait on some football. Um, Harris, going back to one thing you pointed out, I think it's going to be huge. Um, not exactly the most uh, groundbreaking thing, but stopping Jane Daniels' legs is going to be so big. I mean, this last game against the Vols, we saw Milton kind of run wild on us for a guy who hasn't really run much throughout the year. Um, you know, a veteran like Jaden Daniels, who's hurt us with his legs before, is obviously going to have that be at the top of mind. So, um, you know, it's a little scary, too, because it looks like we've had a lot of spies and things to stop the run um, on some of these plays and, and it's still being able to, to do damage against us. So that's something that <clears throat> I'm going to be looking for. Um, really need the defense to be on its, uh, its best behavior containing him. Something else that I think uh, could be huge for us is I'd love to see Reese really take advantage of this bye. I think he's become a better and better play caller throughout the season, as you would hope for, um, as he gets more familiar with uh, our scheme as well as his personnel. But 
you'd like to think that up in the booth, he's been seeing things that have gone well throughout the year. And while he may not have really had time to install, he's been able to, to try more and more things out with this offense. I'm hoping that he's able to really hone in on some of the keys that he's seen have worked and not worked and, and be able to get a really good game plan going into LSU and use this bye week to our advantage. We got our first revenge, got that checked off. Second revenge coming up. So I was going to say, we have a few revenges to conquer this year. Even if we beat LSU against Atlanta, we're going for revenge against Georgia. Yeah. If, Texas, if we're able to match up with Texas in the playoffs, we'd be going to revenge there. So revenge is quite sweet. Still haven't got revenge against Ohio State, too. So. No, yeah, we, we have. No, we did that. Well, that's revenge. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone well, else we need to get revenge on? I'm coming for all blood this, this year. Yeah, we beat Michigan last, Utah. and Ohio State last, and Notre Dame last, and Washington last. Utah is a good yeah. one. And we just beat everybody. Not Louisiana Monroe though. No, yeah, we have. I forgot. Yeah, we've got we their played them in the game. Well. We beat Florida. We beat Florida State last too. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma. No, we beat to, Oklahoma. No, we beat them last too. <laughs> I keep thinking of these uh, Clemson these Sugar Bowl losses. I hope we don't uh, play Clemson yeah, again this season. Don't we? Don't we need to get Utah back? Yeah. No, we haven't gotten Utah. <laughs> we definitely, we definitely owe Utah a dub. But uh, yeah, we did avenge the Trevor Knight loss and the Zeke Elliott loss. So. Dude. Um, I do need to feel better about this. If too. we could come out and hold, like, have the best defensive game of our season, hold LSU to like thirteen points, I would be like, I would I mean, I'm, you, I'm pretty optimistic about this upcoming game because if our defense comes to play, and I think they will, and only lost this game, and just knowing the opportunity they have to show everyone how good they truly are um i think it's really at that point just up to the offense to just keep clicking and not shoot themselves in the foot yeah and maybe LSU's, defense for touchdown. is lsu's run defense shitty too or is it just their passing off passing defense yeah i think ole miss ran for like 200 something on them didn't they yeah ole miss did whatever the hell they wanted to on them yeah i mean you hang 52 it's not... <laughs> no but i remember quinshaw Jenkins did have a huge game against them oh dude lsu's good they uh their offense i'm sure i'm sure arkansas ran well against them i don't know how else they'd put up 31 so we've got lsu's averages two. 213 yards a game on the ground. We average 147. That's rushing offense. It's crazy well, to think about the of the college yeah, season. I'm looking. Or how We're far like already to like base like we got last week of October, then it's November. Like we basically know who's legit now, like who isn't, and stuff. It pisses me off that Georgia's like top ten and uh, like total defense, and they literally have not played anybody. We're at like twenty second. Is South Carolina's other toughest game so far? Two and five, South Carolina, or whatever the hell they are. Kentucky. Georgia's about to have a stretch, though. Um, Florida, we'll get into Mizzou. it more on the other podcast. Yeah, they go. <laughs> they go. F- Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, um, Tennessee. 
at Tennessee and then at home against Georgia Tech. But yeah, I wouldn't exactly call that a gauntlet. All four of those big games without Brock Bowers, most likely. I heard he could return for Tennessee, but I'm sure that won't so. come out until I'd, we get a lot closer to that one. I'd say like plus 300 they lose one of those games. <laughs> Honestly, I got I got them predicted in my in my uh, future rankings to slip one of those out without Brock Carson. Beck's I would guess if they lose to Fry at Tennessee, Missouri is probably the best team. But when was the last so. time Georgia played a tough like road SEC game? Like, who do they play? Did they play anyone tough on the road last year? Did they play Tennessee oh, at-, oh, the, at Auburn was definitely their best one of the season. They played. That's they played uh, hilarious Tennessee last year. That's why they yeah. played. LSU gives up 156 rushing yards a game. They're 85th of the country. We average oh, wow. about 150 rushing yards a game, which is Saban's lowest in his career. Yeah. But that also accounts for the... sack yards, which we probably give up 70 sack yards again. I'd love to see ru- rushing offense adjusted uh, for sack yardage. They had a, a gross graphic um, during the game that was like our points per game, our total yards per game, and our rush yards per game are all the lowest since 2008 or before, which was – a tough one to, to take. I don't think anyone's surprised by hearing that they've watched us play this year. Yeah, Jimmy just got kicked. Mm. How's turnover margin? Yeah, Penn State is the highest turnover margin in the country. If y'all want to be thinking uh, later in the pod, I want to ask what y'all's dream playoff and final matchup would be for the rest of the year. If y'all want to try and think of some people you'd like to see. I definitely would like to. I would like to beat Georgia in the SEC championship. And then, oh, no spoilers. No, I mean, I gotta say it. <laughs> I want to beat Georgia in the SEC championship, then Michigan in the first final four game, then Georgia again for that That'd be the dream. Wait, who'd you say in the Final Four? I don't want to beat Georgia SEC Championship, Michigan first Final Four game, Georgia again in the Natty. I'd rather be that would be the that would be the toughest Natty. No, I think we need to beat Texas in the semifinal to get our revenge. Yeah, but I don't really (laughs) care about the revenge as much as I just think Hardball the sham. Yeah, but I, I think Michigan gets so much like credit when they just. I'd be okay with Georgia beating them, and then we beat Georgia twice, and it just really shows how Michigan's not even worth our time. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> if, if Michigan just got boat God. raced in the LSU averages three hundred forty passing yards a game. Holy shit! Georgia's fifth in passing yards per game. Do we know what's going on with Jimmy? That's pretty nuts. I did not realize that. Where is Bam? I mean, her. Hey, what's going on? It just like kicked me out. Have you tried to get back in yet? Yeah, I'm trying to. 
I don't think Jalen Nora. It's not working. I know we're second in the country in sacks. We really? That's tough. Are you looking at stats right now? I mean, Dallas Turner's leading the country. James Madison's first. Tennessee's first. I mean, we played Ole Miss, Tennessee, and A&M. They're all up in the top ten sacks. And Arkansas. They're also in the top ten stats because they played us. I was thinking that, too. Um, I mean, Arkansas is even up there. Texas isn't up there, though, and they had fucking so many against us. I can't believe we didn't touch yours once. Yeah. That actually pisses me off so much. That was horrible. <laughs> Sacks allowed. Wait, what? LSU only has 14 sacks. Where are we in sacks allowed? I'm not seeing. In eight games. Oh, play. oh, this is saying, like, this is saying the best teams are, at, are number one. Wow, Georgia's at number 10. Jimmy, talk to me. Eris, was that happening to you, the audio mess up thing? Yeah. Damn. You know what stat we're creeping up in? What? Oh, well. This isn't really saying much. Talk about our playoff. But uh, defensive TDs, we're, uh, we're tied for third, but we only have two. And there's like 50 other teams with two. Uh, dude, this playoff is so weird because, like, some of these teams could, like, win out and win their conference. Yeah, I have a feeling if I was to guess which team, which conference would eliminate itself, I'd probably go with the ACC. I think Florida State's probably going to lose a game. I agree. I think they could tear this up, especially in the ACC championship or something, but. They haven't lost any, though, have they? No. No. But I could see, like, Washington going undefeated. Washington could slip up, too. Yeah, they looked terrible last week. Texans could definitely slip up again without Quinn Ewers and then beat Oklahoma. So, if Washington wins out, Texas wins out, Florida State wins out, uh, and Ohio State or Michigan. One of one of Ohio State, Michigan wins out, and then Georgia wins out. We beat Georgia in the SC championship. Is it is Georgia the one that's left out? Wait, we could be left out in that circumstance. Hell, no. would we? We're at one loss. If Ohio State, SEC champions, Florida State, Washington all go undefeated, and Texas won out, we would knock it in. Yeah, that's kind of the doomsday scenario. 
Yeah. Wait, no way. Dude, but then again, That's... if oh that would suck so bad if Washington oh, got it. No <laughs> dude, no. After we go through My the gauntlet, not ready for that. We go, we that go through the gauntlet of uh freaking like beat Ole Miss at A and M, Tennessee, L S U at oh. Kentucky, at Auburn versus Georgia, and then Washington goes to the fucking college football playoff <laughs> after being Arizona State thirteen to seven. Oh boy, if that happened, I would actually like Oh my brain can't even like comprehend that. When you said that it nothing was clicking. That makes me want to throw There's off. just no oh way. My God. There really is I mean no the way college football plays out, there's no way that happens, but that reminds we need me of Washington to lose. When, like, Kansas State, Oregon, and Oklahoma State were all ahead of us and LSU in 2011. And, like, Oklahoma State got upset by Iowa State. And Kansas State lost to, like, Baylor. and Oregon Yeah, we lost. really need some upsets yeah. to happen. We got to play LSU. Yeah, I mean, that, it's just how it goes. They'll play themselves out. Like... If, oh god! If Oregon That's won, so I mean, gross. even though Oregon's in front of us, if Oregon like won out and won the Pac-12 and we won the SEC, I think we could still definitely get out over them. Georgia has a really good offense. That's scary. They're like top five in so many important stats, like sacks allowed, third down percentage. I just hope Oklahoma loses to Kansas this weekend. <laughs> That'd be hype. Yeah, we're gonna need teams to start losing. But like, I don't know. I feel like the Big Twelve is like almost a lock. I don't know. It's like if Texas, like Quinn Ewers is out for three to four weeks. The Texas lost. It's oh, like, shit. and like I don't Texas think lost. Like, Oklahoma lost. Texas won in the playoff, or Texas won in the championship. Then they would be out. We need Washington. We need Washington. Like Texas, I think Texas could very easily lose to Kansas State next week. It's at Texas. That's not an easy game. And Oklahoma could lose to Kansas this week. Big Ten. That's a problem with how, like, this is just going to keep getting worse with the SEC getting better. Well, yeah, Ohio State literally just has to beat Michigan and Penn State, and then and like vice versa. Like they just have those three teams. If one of them beats both of them, or even if one of them beats one of them, whoever makes the fucking Big Ten championships, like usually pretty locked in to get in there. All right, James is not gonna be able to join us. So do y'all want to just do like a? I don't know, one or two more things and leave. Is there anything that y'all specifically want to talk about? Honestly, I feel like I think we're in a good spot to stop. I don't really know what Yeah, I think we, else I think we got about. through pretty much everything. Yeah, no point in beating the dead horse. I thought it was a good pot. Um, yeah, I mean, especially when we, I think we wrapped up LSU pretty well, kind of just giving a light preview. Yeah. Unless there's anything you need to talk about in specific, Greg. Um, LSU has the number one. They have number one yards per game in the country. That's scary. Georgia's three. Oregon, two. 
Yeah, well, unless y'all got anything else, I think that wraps us up for today. Um, glad we got to talk about that big win against the Vols, and uh, hopefully we keep things going. Later this week, y'all can look out for another episode where we, um, to try and make up a little bit for last week's absence, um, just break down the whole college football landscape, give our playoff picks as well, and uh, update y'all on where our pick'em standings are. But um, that's all we got for today. So see y'all next time, and roll tide. Roll tide. Roll tide.